Welcome to the House of Kraus. I'm Richard Kraus. It's a sad day around here today as we recognize the loss of George A. Romero, one of the most influential, not just horror filmmakers, but filmmakers of all time. You know his movies, Night of the Living Dead, Martin, The Crazies, Dawn of the Dead, it goes on. He passed away over the weekend, but I'm choosing not to be sad today. I'm choosing to celebrate that I got to be a moviegoer in the same time frame as he was making movies, that I was able to watch and learn, actually have conversations with him, both privately and professionally, where we talk about his love of old movies, anything that sort of passed through his whirling mind. It was always whirling, always turning, always looking for something else, something interesting to talk about. I'm choosing to celebrate that today. So are lots of other people. Jordan Peele writes on Twitter, Romero started it. Stephen King says, George, there will never be another like you. Guillermo del Toro says that he can't find the right words to completely describe how the loss of his friend, George A. Romero, was making him feel. For me, I look back at the life of someone who not only invented a genre without George A. Romero, we probably wouldn't have The Walking Dead or 28 Days Later or for better or for worse, World War Z, but he also created the whole grammar of low-budget American independent filmmaking. Now, because of his work and the work of the other people that have come after him, but his pioneering work, you can pick up a camera, you can make a movie, and who knows, perhaps get a huge audience, perhaps find a way to express yourself without a giant studio budget, without Tom Cruise, without any of those people. He pioneered that with Night of the Living Dead and John Russo and some of his other collaborators, but it was always George A. Romero's name above the title. And I think one of the things that really struck people about that movie when it came out is not only was it terrifying, and it was terrifying, but it it denounced things that were, were hot-button topics at the time. American consumerism, careerism, the, the, the fear of the future. Uh, you know, when you look at it today, you, you look at it and you think, man, these people are literally eating one another. Like, what a concept that must have been in 1968 to drop on an unsuspecting public. Who, who ate it up? This movie was a giant hit. Then, of course, came Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead and, and all sorts of things. Martin, if you haven't seen it, go see it. I'm starting to ramble now a little bit, but he passed away during the Trump era. And if I have a regret, it's that he didn't live long enough to make the movie that I am sure was brewing in that head, that politicized head of his, that he didn't have the time to make the Trump zombie movie that you know that he had in him. I would have loved to have seen that. This conversation dates from a few years ago. We talk about old movies. We talk about a new movie. We talk about lots of things. This is George A. Romero, the late and the great. Uh, 
I wanted to start by asking you about a movie called The Tales of Hoffman. Yeah, okay. And this is a Michael Powell movie, and I heard that as a kid uh, that you'd rent like a 16-millimeter copy almost every week. Is there any truth to that? Yes, it wasn't every week. It was whenever I could save enough allowance, though, to go. You know, in those days, you had to, if you wanted to have a film on your dining room wall, you had to go rent not only the print, but a projector. So it was... Uh, you know, it was quite an investment for a kid that was making, you know, a quarter a week or whatever. But, uh, no, I did. I loved it. I, I went, I was dragged kicking and screaming to see it by an aunt and uncle who said, you know, I wanted to go see the new Tarzan, the new Lex Parker, to see how he stacked up against Weissmuller. And they said, no, we're going to see this. And I fell in love with it. First of all, it's a fantasy film. Have you seen it? I haven't. This is why I'm asking. I've not, I love Peeping Tom. There's a number of his movies that I love, but I've not seen this one. Oh, man, it's just beautiful. It, 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 I mean, it's completely captivating. It's all sung. It's all opera. It's not like the Red Shoes where there's a story running through it and then... You know, Leonid Messine does a ballet at the end, but this is uh, uh, purely the opera with a, a couple of additional pieces of music that uh, were done because I think Powell was squeezing Norma Shearer at the time. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, uh, it's the movie that made me want to make movies. I mean, it's it, I, I just fell in love with it from the pop. And you could see he did it on a low budget. You could see the techniques that he was using. He was, you know, reversing action, doing overprints, double exposures. And uh, it, it seemed accessible. I mean, I think at, at that age, if I had seen Jurassic Park, I would have said, forget about it. You know, I don't know how to do this dinosaur thing. But I could see. Uh, how it was done, and it, it made it accessible to me, and it made me think that hmm, maybe someday I could do something like this. So, were you watching uh, it, or were you studying it? Uh, I, I was a little of both. <laughs> a, a little of both. I mean, I, I'm listen. I'm I'm a sucker for you know old movies that I loved as a kid. I put them on, and you know, I got a tear in my eye when the overture starts. Yeah. Uh, um, and that, I think, is just connection and, uh, you know, it's sort of like the marching band in a parade going by. Um, but uh, I was studying it and watching it. I, I mean, I would, I, I, it's a movie that I still love. I still watch often. Um, I, had a, I had a chance to do a commentary track on the Criterion release. And um, Michael was just, he was my man. I mean, he was really my man. I got to meet him one time. Uh, he, you know, he married uh, Selma Schumacher. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she's yeah. trying to have his films reissued and restored and things now to yeah. keep his legacy alive. Well, she's been talking about that forever, but I don't know what the market. You know, I hope I hope it works out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. What Black you... Narcissus, boy, I haven't seen it. And actually, there's not a really complete, really great print of Hoffman. There are a couple of arias that are cut out, and I don't even know if this stuff exists anymore. Right. But no, I wonder when you met Michael Powell. I'll I'll, I'll get to you to your new film. Don't, don't like, worry about but, it. When, when you when you met Michael Powell, um, you must have people coming to you all the time and saying your films inspired me to become a filmmaker. Did you do that to him? And and do you understand what it's like when people come to you now? 
did it make you did 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 your uh, I, interaction with him sort of inform interactions later that you have with uh, people? I think that it. I I hope that it did. Uh, my problem is that most of the people that I meet, meet that say they want to make movies. Uh, today, all the I go to these horror conventions, uh, you know, whether it's through Morgue or wherever I travel all around the world doing these horror conventions. I get, every time I go, at least a dozen films from young aspiring filmmakers. They're all zombie movies. <laughs> I keep saying, no, man. Do, you know, write about your town. Do something about your dad. Do some, you know. Because most of them are just, it's all about the gore, you know. And so I have a little bit of a problem with people who say that they're emulating my films and there's nothing underli underlying or informing their films. It's all just about the catch-up, you know. And, and um, uh, so I have a little bit of a hard time with it. I mean, when I met Michael, I mean, we were, I was able to, first of all, talk about several of his other films and I was much more interested in technique and in... Uh, and in what inspired him and, you know, all of that, where most of the stuff that I get is, you know, I want to make zombie movies just like you. And I made one. Here, look at it. So, and it's usually disappointing. <laughs> well, I guess they, what they don't understand is that, you know, the, the first movie, in all the movies, but I'm, I'm thinking of the inspiration for the first movie, it was all about the subtext in that movie. It was about the Vietnam War. It was about all sorts of things. Yeah. You know, anti-consumerism is something you've touched on time after time. You know, it, it, it's about that. The zombies are just kind of the vessel, I guess, by which you tell the story. Exactly. No, I just bring the zombies out of a closet when I have something I want to talk about. Whether, but no, it, that's exactly right, and it's so hard to tell people that. I mean, you know, I think most of the most of the people in the audience are either there to just take the ride, or um, you know, watch the gore, chuckle at the gore, uh, whatever, and and not don't particularly care. I I shouldn't say that because I've been very lucky in terms of people, um, journalists uh, like yourself that who recognize what you just said and you know that's very gratifying but by and large I don't think the public uh, particularly cares about that and and it's very disappointing that more people that are working in fantasy today don't don't use it as a metaphor you know I mean it's just sort of uh, and some of that may be uh, Hollywood you know saying well we don't need any of that what we want is the, the shock and uh, you know, those values that sell tickets. Well, I think as but, long as you and Guillermo del Toro and a few others, Terry Gilliam, keep making films that use fantasy and, and speculative fiction and that sort of thing as a metaphor, that we'll be doing okay. Well, thank you for saying that. Thank you for including me with those boys. <laughs> Guillermo's my man. I mean, he's my man today. I mean, he's, he's uh, sort of, uh, you know, running a close second to Michael in my mind. He's right. a great guy. He's also a great guy. I he mean, is. He's just a great guy. Now, when you're writing something like Survival of the Dead, there are... It, from the first film on, uh, there's been more, I don't want to say comedy, but there's been more humorous elements added into the film, but they are still very much satire. And when you write something like that, I wonder, it, do you still feel the sort of pangs of anger that you would have in the, from the early days, from your work in the early days, or are you sort of concentrating on the more humorous aspects, or is it a mix of both? I... I <coughs> 
It's certainly not the same kind of anger. I mean, we were when we made that film, we were children of the 60s. Uh, the big thing that everyone talks about, about Night of the Living Dead, is the racial stuff. That was almost an accident. I mean, Dwayne Jones was the best actor from among our friends, and we thought we were being very hip by not changing the script right. when we uh, had an African-American that was going to play the lead. Um, but the, some of the anger in that film, the stuff against family, the stuff against um, the yeah, uh, establishment, uh, the whole... Uh, I, I don't think you can ever get that back. And so starting with the second film, which I, I resisted making a, a second film for, for years, 10 years, because people started to write about Night of the Living Dead like it was important American cinema. <laughs> and I said, oi, what am I going to do now? Uh, and uh, I socially knew the people that were developing this big shopping mall near Pittsburgh. It was the first one that any of us had ever seen, big indoor shopping mall. I went out to visit. Before it had opened, the trucks were rolling in with everything that, you know, the American heart could desire. And uh, I said, okay, here's an idea. And from that point on, I, I said, wow, wow, I can have fun with this. I can have fun with the genre and still say a little something or at least uh, express my opinion. And from that point, I, I started to, and it was only really from that point that I, I, I started to insist uh, to myself that the movies had to be about something. Right. Right. Now, for the new film, Survival of the Dead, how did you come up with the family feud aspect of it? And is it getting, uh, are the scenarios coming to you as easily as perhaps they once did? Or do you ever find the, the genre limiting in any way? I don't find it limiting. In fact, I find it uh, wildly welcoming. Right. You know, it's like you can, I can pull the zombies out of the closet and, and make a movie about anything I want to make it about. Uh, it, it's uh, no, it's been terrific that way. This film, uh, uh, long story. I'm sorry. Uh, we made a we made Diary of the Dead, the last one, on so little money that despite uh, the fact that it had a limited release, it wound up making a fortune. So everybody said, "Okay, we want another one." So my idea was, well, how about this? And this would be more fun for us, the filmmakers, uh, Adam and the production designer, Arv, and everybody. How about if we do three? What if, the, what if we make another one and it makes a lot of money? You're going to want another one. So I, I, I made notes on three different story ideas, all of them uh, revolving around minor characters from Diary. And, and uh, I don't know if this is ever going to happen or not. It may not. It depends on how much money survival makes. But I, I'd love to do it. I'm, 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 I'm also finding myself able to use characters because we have ownership in this, whereas the first four films are owned and controlled by different people. Right. So I can cross-collateralize and use characters and plot points and everything else uh, in, in other films. So... Uh, you know, it all sort of came together that way. When I uh, faced with having to do another one, I said, okay, I'm I don't have anything to write about right now, so I'll write about the, the most universal thing that I can, which is the idea of wars that develop and people forget what started them, but we're enemies and 
you know, I said that could be the, anything from Northern Ireland to Middle East to the U.S. Senate. Uh, and so I made it about a much more generic thing, theme. And uh, that's where that came from. And the moment I started to write it, and I developed these two old feuding characters, I happened coincidentally to watch on... Um, Turner classic movies, uh, an old William Wyler Western called The Big Country. And I said, oh, man, wouldn't it be great fun to emulate this? So I had the DP and the production designer and everybody come over and we watched that movie and said, let's do this. And if we make another one, if uh, maybe we'll do it noir. And if we make another one, maybe we'll do it, you know, I don't know, whatever. I love that. That's junk- screwball comedy. Yeah. So... Um, you know, it, it, it's hard to say when the ideas hit you, but uh, they just hit you, and uh, that's what it's all about. So nice to hear that voice again. George A. Romero passed away at the age of 77. From the House of Krauss, we wish his wife Suzanne and daughter Tina all our best in this difficult time. And tonight, if you want to pay tribute to George A. Romero put on one of his movies but you know what like you said in the interview make a movie get out there and create some art it doesn't have to be a zombie movie it doesn't have to be anything like anyone's ever seen before make it your own make it personal but above all just make it george would have liked that <laughs> 